I just want to say I felt so honored when you about the like, um, how was Europe? And you were like, we slept at a torture <laughs> chamber. Here's pictures. <laughs> I thought of you the whole time. I was <laughs> like, oh, that's the sweetest thing anyone's ever told me. It was so crazy. It was really cool, though. I really uh, enjoyed the experience. Welcome back to Mr. Reticle, where we take a theoretical approach to solving mysteries. I'm Lynn. And I'm JP. So snuggle up with your favorite Highland coup as we head to Scotland to discuss the Oscar Slater case. Ooh. I didn't even realize it was in Scotland. I thought it was in I was like, you're just talking about Scotland. <laughs> a Highland coup. Speaking, since we're going to Europe, but we're going to Scotland specifically, and like, so Amanda and I have started watching Outlander because we're 10 years behind everyone for whatever reason. And I haven't watched it. Don't worry. <laughs> it's, it's good. I haven't gotten like completely hooked. She like watched like five episodes yesterday and she's like, I need you to catch up. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm get, I'll get there. <laughs> so I'm sure I'll be hooked soon. But um, we were like trying to figure out, we still don't know like if we're going to go to Edinburgh or Glasgow or both or like what we're, how long we're going. We know nothing. Yeah. And I was like, as long, the only thing on my docket is like, I have a family manor that's like kind of close to both cities that like a family member of mine in the 1600s lived in and was born in and had or whatever. Yeah. So I was like, we should go there. And it's like a bed and breakfast. So we could stay technically mm -hmm. if it's not crazy expensive. And then should be for free. Shit. I'd be like, excuse me. <laughs> I am 17, I am? <laughs> 17 generations from the uh McAllister clan I don't whatever and then um I also found like we were me and her did a day of just like we were on like Facebook chat and like digging through a genealogy because she's Scottish way back too so like she has some castles but hers are really far north so I don't know if we'll be able to swing up there but I was like the only thing I really want to do is is see Highland coos I just want to pet cows like fuzzy Scottish cows that's all I if we don't do that I will be sad <laughs> everything yeah. else whatever <laughs> but that's so it's really funny that i put that in there <laughs> a year and a half ago or whenever i wrote this um we're gonna learn why i chose this case oh i've actually talked 
talked about this once. So I mentioned it in one of our actually just theories episodes. Um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Oh yeah. Um, he was one of my favorite literary facts of all time. Besides Hans Christian Andersen just being an awful house guest is <laughs> Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Um, the guy that wrote Peter Pan, Barry, yes. I, I forget his first name. Um, is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh, Barry. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I haven't, this hasn't, give me a minute. <laughs> kicked in so it's like him uh rudyard kipling a few other like really famous authors were on a, a cricket team i think called the alaka berries and they were awful <laughs> gosh it's my favorite like oh you're on a cricket team with these literary greats <laughs> your team sucks it's just my favorite thing ever anyway so i wrote sir arthur conan doyle hated sherlock and never wanted to be remembered for him so awkwardly that's the only thing we all remember him for and me this weird cricket team he was on (laughs) but here's something else that we get to learn about him that's not sherlock related so that's one of the reasons I chose this case because this he's Murdered. tied to this case. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's just tied to the case because he was a okay. he was a doctor, I think, and he like actually did help solve crimes. Like okay. that was a thing he did. Um, I also chose it because we've done some Irish ones and we haven't done any Scottish ones. Um, there you go. The end. <laughs> so we're gonna go back to Glasgow, Scotland, early twentieth century. Um, the Summer Olympics were held, held its sailing race in Scotland during this year. I don't know what year it was, but early 20th mm-hmm. century. And um, Scotland has been part of the UK for 201 years at the point that we're at in early um, 20th century, which sucks. I'm so sorry. Anyway, <laughs> the crime in question. Okay. It's shortly after 7 p.m. on December 21st, 1908. There we are. There's the year in Glasgow. Miss Marion Gilchrist, a wealthy 82-year-old woman, lived a quiet life in her large first-floor flat, which, as one report calls it, but it wasn't the ground level. She had one maidservant, Helen Lambie, who left the flat for a few minutes to fetch a newspaper. Soon after Helen left, Arthur Adams and his sisters, they were the neighbors below Marion, heard hey. three knocks on the ceiling. Arthur went to investigate since he thought Marion needed help. Old lady probably be like, maybe she fell. Yeah. He rang the bell and no one came to the door, although he heard noise inside of the apartment. He went back downstairs to his sister, but his sisters who are wicked smart girls told him, no, you go back upstairs and you check again. Like don't ignore Knocked that down the door. Yep. He went back upstairs and a man walked by him coming down the stairway. Once he reached the next floor, he ran into Helen, who was returning from her end, so the, the helper that went to get the newspaper. Helen had passed the same man coming down the stairs as she entered the building. Neither of them saw this as odd. There were other tenants, and other tenants are allowed visitors. Shocking. Um, Arthur told Helen what, he, what had been going on, and they entered the par- apartment together. Marion was found bludgeoned to death inside of her dining room. 
The police deduced that Helen's description that the murderer had lit the gas lamp in the bedroom and had left behind his box of matches. A wooden box full of Marion's private papers was forced open and the contents were on the floor. Also, her crescent-shaped diamond brooch was missing, although no other jewelry was missing, even though several valuable pieces were out on her dressing table, and there was jewelry that could have been valued around 3,000 pounds throughout her rooms, but nothing else was taken. This really does sound like a Sherlock case. Sherlock Holmes, right. <laughs> it does. Um, another account claims that when Helen returned 10 minutes after leaving, she, accompanied by Arthur Adams, opened the door with her key means it was locked and the yeah. moment she entered the flat a man emerged from the bedroom passing behind her and rushed downstairs helen then went to look in the kitchen then the bedroom and then the dining room where she found marion according to this account helen ran from the flat screaming and her and arthur ran downstairs into the street which was deserted adams then went to the doctor who was also called adams so confusing who came to examine marion so you have a very short period of time where this woman was bludgeoned to death. A very um, specific brooch was stolen and papers were ruffled through. This sounds familiar. The brooch, the brooch portion sounds familiar. Like the specific brooch, 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 brooch. Um, also, uh, I did notice that when I was um, out in Europe that they have floor zero and then they have negative as you go down to the basement. Oh, so maybe, maybe that's why. But it says, so so she lives on the first floor. floor. Yeah. Right. Which is literally the first like floor. It's not floor zero. That's how my apartment is laid out too. Uh, We don't have, we have an L for floor zero. Oh. Uh, one, two, three. So I technically live on the fourth floor, but I'm right, on the third floor. I mean, ours is kind of like our basement level is kind of a non-existent. It doesn't have a name, ours is but a it is like a non-existent and, floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's only like four doors down there. Like we only have. Right. It's a very small people amount of access where the building is actually quite big. So huge. But is it because what floors? What condos have two floors? So like, how many people is? Are really, I really don't know. this building's weird um (laughs) so motive it appears that the robbery was the motive but the diamond brooch was the only jewelry missing at the time there was no forced entry applying that she knew her attacker and that the attacker knew her routine or in my opinion was watching the house and was waiting for helen to leave it helen explained that marion didn't have many visitors but the that businessmen would sometimes come to the house She also noted that Marion wore jewelry every day and owned quite a bit of it. She usually wore her brooch and a ring, especially when going out to tea or dinner. Helen typically ran errands in the evening, usually around 6 p.m. or sometimes later, like on the evening in question. Every time I read stuff where it's like he was obviously watching her, it makes me want to like drive weird ways to work every day. Uh, (laughs) I want to like change up your routine. Yeah. And I feel like mine's not super predictable, but like sometimes I'm like, maybe I'll go do that just because it's different. And it like, so if I have a stalker, it'll throw them off. Yeah, I know. I, um, I'm the same way. Like I always want to like change it up in some way or like maybe do it for a week and then change it or like, yeah. Like make no pattern. No unpredictable. Yeah. Are we just paranoid? Is that what that is? Are we like weirdos in this situation? Yes. If you do that, message us. We'll start a, a group. Yeah. <laughs> <A club. laughs> 
and we'll do a weekly check-in. How did you change your routine yeah. today? So stalker or can't don't, murder you. Because then you're sharing it with the stalker. Oh, that's it's essentially true. in the group. <laughs> so maybe Tell we us won't a start complete lie on what you did. Just don't talk to anybody about anything ever. <laughs> Never let them guess your next move. Never. That's hilarious. <laughs> okay. So... Mary Barrowman was a 14-year-old girl. She was in the street around the time of the murder. She spotted a man hurrying out of the building. However, Arthur and Helen described the man to be 25 to 30 years old, 5'8 or 9 inches tall, slim, dark-haired, clean-shaven, and wearing a light gray overcoat and a cloth cap. Mary's description differed in several ways from Helen and Arthur's. Did I write down the ways they it differed? No, so I probably couldn't find it. Mm. I don't know. This was like old newspapers. Like there's no, it's old. So, um, and there was no CCTV. Horrible. Get it together. 1908. There was public outcry. The police and the public wanted the murderer caught. And we all know what public pressure does to murder investigations like this. Um, on December 26, just five days after the murder, the police announced they were looking for a suspect named Oscar Joseph Slater. Originally, Lesh Signer. That sounds legit. Great. <laughs> I started saying when Amanda and I were going through our like genealogy stuff and guessing, you know, we got like way back. So we had like old names that we were trying to say. Yeah. And she would try, she would attempt to say some like Dutch. Dutch is a wild language. Like she would try to say that. And then I was like, sounds great. <laughs> Which I realized you and I do to each other whenever we don't know. We're like, sounds perfect, even though we have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing great. <laughs> Just keep going. <laughs> I guess I do it in real life now. <laughs> sounds, sounds fantastic. <laughs> That's perfect. Thank you. <clears throat> so let's talk about Oscar Slater. Oscar was born to Jewish parents in 1872 in Upper Silesia, Germany. Um, so I'm smelling anti-Semitism that I probably didn't write in. Okay. His father was a master baker. Strong nose. <laughs> His father was a master baker. In 1893-94-ish, Oscar traveled to London and worked as a bookmaker before setting himself up as a precious stone dealer. He was 39 years old, 5'8", broadly built, deep-chested. What does that mean? And he had a short, he had short black hair and a mustache. Wow. I feel like deep, like concave. What does that mean? I feel like deep, like deep-chested. Deep chest. Maybe he like. Or like this way or like this, like I you feel just like had this shitty way. posture. I feel like this is deep and this is. But I would say this is broad. Shallow. 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 Chest. I guess. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. That's opposite of what we're doing, though. So I don't. Also, no one can see us, so that's great. Yeah. <laughs> you can guess. You'll figure it out. <laughs> While in Britain, Oscar used a handful of surnames: Sando, classic; George Anderson, Schmidt, and Slater. He sometimes claimed to be a gymnastics instructor and other times a dentist. However, he was consistently working with jewelry. Oscar was known to police because he had a dis 
he was a disreputable foreigner. Did I write that word? I don't know what that means. Disreputable. Um, yes, there you go. I just said it. <laughs> um, or is it because he's Jewish? He associated with sex workers, thieves, and was running an illegal gambling operation. Listen, you're not making a good name for the Jewish people in Scotland. He associated, I already read that. Um, before coming to Glasgow, he had been prosecuted for malicious wounding and assault in London and for disorderly conduct in Edinburgh. So not a great guy. No. And also the jewelry things like stealing a brooch. Um Besides all that, what makes him a suspect? Not to add salt to the wound, but at the time of Marion's murder, he only lived a few blocks from her. He also left Glasgow in a few days that in the few days that followed her murder. On December 23rd, he booked two tickets for an ocean liner under the name of Mr. and Mrs. Oscar Slater. On Christmas Day, Oscar signed in at the Northwestern Hotel with a female companion in Liverpool, England. They then boarded the ocean liner bound for New York on the 26th, but the t tickets issued were to an Otto and Anna Sando. It claimed they were married, that he was a dentist, and that he was a German citizen, and she was a U.S. citizen with an American address in Chicago. I will, I'm pretty sure I explain all of that. Um, the police, along with Mary, Helen, and Arthur, is that a thing, question mark? Oh, yeah. I don't know if this is a thing. Like, I didn't realize this was a thing. So the police. Mary, who is who? Who is Mary? The neighbor or the. I forget who Mary was. Not the nurse. Oh, the 14 year old girl. The 14 year old girl. Helen was uh, the Marion's helper that right. went to get the newspaper. Arthur's the, the neighbor. Uh-huh. They all went to New York with the police. And awaited Oscar's arrival. That's why I was like, is that a thing? You took a 14-year-old to girl. Witnesses. In, in, the, in 1908, you're taking a ship. It's not like you're taking yeah. a plane. Hey, we're going to take your daughter. <laughs> hey, we're going to just take this 14-year-old girl. She, I think like... This nurse, this man, and we're going to go try and catch a murderer in, in a different continent. 1868? No, 1908. 1908. So it's like a steam. But it's going to be like a steam like boat. a woman then to... Oh, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, my grandpa, my great grandpa moved to America, I think, on his own when he was 15. So, yeah. Okay. Maybe. Interesting. Maybe she was dating the police commissioner or something. <laughs> Groomer. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> Detective Inspector Piper held an identification parade, which is a lineup. I just like that they called it an identification parade. <laughs> um, it makes you look at that scene from Brooklyn Nine-Nine where they sing the Backstreet Boys a little differently. <laughs> you seen that clip? No. <laughs> oh, my God. I have to send it to you. It's so funny. Okay. Um, remind me. <laughs> However, before this took place, the two women witnesses, Helen and Mary, the child, were permitted mm -hmm. to see Oscar, which was a gross irregularity and problematic for obvious reasons. During the lineup, it was obvious that the two women would now recognize him. Arthur, however, wasn't sure and refused to say anything beyond he resembled the man he saw that day. So they threw him right into the tomb's prison. While being in prison, the police found a pawn ticket for a brooch. 
and they believe they found a small hammer in his possession. So it's not looking good for Oscar. But remember, this is an Unsolved Mysteries podcast, so it's not solved. The police applied for this extradition back to Scotland, but Oscar volunteered to return in confidence that he could clear his name. But upon returning to Glasgow, he was charged with murder. He, uh, the trial was held in May 1909. Helen and Mary claimed that it was him who they saw, and Helen even went so far to identify a waterproof coat that was found in Oscar's possession. Arthur, however, claimed he was short-sighted and stood by his statement that he could not... Wait. Arthur, however, claimed that he was short-sighted and stood by his statement that he could not positively identify Oscar. I thought Oscar was saying that, and I was like, he couldn't identify himself because of his eyesight? <laughs> no sense. He was found guilty of murder by a majority verdict and was sentenced to death. His lawyers petitioned for mercy, and two days before he was scheduled to be executed, his sentence changed to life imprisonment with hard labor. So slavery. Cool. He was then transported to Peterhead Prison in northeast Scotland and remained there for 18 and a half years. It seems solved. Yeah. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle is going to come up at some point. He does help somewhere. Okay. It's a book about it. I mean, it does sound. What's the one? Oh, is it the orange pips? They like, it's like a, a locked, they, it's like a locked room. And like this uh-huh. thing was left or stole or whatever. Like that's the one it's making. But the me room think was of. locked, but there was no yeah. locker from the outside. And it was like high up in the building. And no so like, windows. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was like small, like a little person that like had snuck in and like whatever i don't remember i'd have to reread yep. all of them but that's what it makes me think of so <clears throat> first and foremost so this is issues with evidence first and foremost the brooch that oscar had pawned was not the brooch that was stolen from marion so they found mm. it and they were like that's not it oscar maintained his innocence throughout the trial it is believed that too much weighed on his unsavory mishaps in the past none of which were murder i might add it was just like low-key sketchiness, not not murder. Um, and one of the key witness statements, which came to be unreliable, and Arthur was never called as a witness, probably because he couldn't, because his eyesight, I'm going to guess. Also, Oscar's alibi was never disclosed, and the pawn ticket was found to belong to a transaction that had happened several weeks before the murder. The Crown also did not call a man who had claimed to see Oscar standing at his own door an hour before the crime. Hmm. Sounds convenient, England. (gasps) Who was was the king back then? Edward? Edward. I'm not very good at making it. I think it's Edward. Or it's Victoria? Who was... King of England in 19. Wait. Hiccups. Prince Albert Edward. Ooh, I'm good. Okay. (laughs) There was outcry once again as the people demanded Oscar be set free. That's kind of cool. One of Oscar's supporters was none other than Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, who published The Case of Oscar Slater in 1912. Interesting. Which is not a Sherlock story, just like whatever. Doyle didn't approve of Slater's criminal lifestyle, but he believed it to be clear that Oscar did not murder Marion Gilchrist. 
Doyle's case of Oscar Slater was an examination of the evidence that was brought forward in the trial and point by point, Sir Doyle proved that Oscar wasn't guilty. For instance, he explained that Oscar was traveling under an assumed name because he was avoiding his wife, who was not his female companion on the ticket. It was his mistress. That explains that. He agreed that Oscar was found with a small hammer, which could have been used as the murder weapon, but Sir Doyle claimed that a medical examiner at the crime scene declared that a large chair, which had blood on it, was the murder weapon, not a hammer. This was claimed by the doctor that Arthur Adams ran to get right after the murder. So that's like cancels that out sir doyle is also the one who concluded that marion knew the murderer due to the fact that she opened the door for him herself they may have been neighbors but they had never met and even though sir doyle's writing caused more demand for a new trial the police decided it wasn't enough to justify the case being reopened the game is afoot (laughs) i had to can't not sorry Okay. I bet Conan Doyle would hate that I said it. I wrote, sorry, my guy. Sorry, my guy. (laughs) Sorry, my guy. In 1914, new evidence came forward and there were more calls for a retrial. So this is six years later, five years later. Yeah. Um, Another witness was found that could verify Oscar's alibi. This was also the time when Detective Lieutenant John Thompson Trench, what a name, (laughs) This was also the time when Detective Lieutenant John Thompson Trench, now one article claims he was one of the original officers involved in the investigation, another claims he wasn't, so I'm not sure if he was or not. Either way, he had been on the force for 21 years. He held the King's Police Medal for meritorious service and was considered a brilliant detective. But see, again, did I copy and paste that word or did I write that? Meritorious. Anyway, if it I wrote copy it, I'm and pasted. I know, but I was like, if I wrote it, I sound, Im- I'm impressed. Or you have like own. Grammarly installed and Grammarly was like, I don't have Grammarly. I don't have this Grammarly. word instead. Like a synonym or whatever. Yeah, I, I do because I read a lot. Sometimes in sentences, words will come out of my mouth that I'm like, I've never said that out loud. And it's like a big, like a good vocab word. <laughs> yeah. Know? Like I've said cognizant in like a sentence without meaning to it just like was like you have to be cognizant of this and i was like wow that was a that was a scrabble word there's a z in there too (laughs) (laughs) triple triple word score triple word score um he was considered a brilliant detective he disclosed some information implicating one of marion's relatives which he alleged had been concealed in 1909 he claimed that marion and helen knew the murderer he announced that helen visited marion's niece and said oh miss birol i saw the man who did it i think it was a b i'm sure it was a b after announcing this in 1914 trench was dismissed from the force sounds like shady police work yeah not on his part on the the crown yeah helen lambie the maid had named another man as the man she had seen in the hallway before she had said oscar slater there's a lot of like loose information i feel this did not change the authorities minds sir conan doyle was pissed he even stated the whole case will in my opinion remain immortal in the classics of crime as the supreme example of official incompetence and obstinacy that's why sir 
that's why you're famous for Sherlock Holmes. Look at the way you talk. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it's so intelligent. <laughs> Sir Conan Doyle raised his voice about the issue through many years, although he was never successful. In 1925, Oscar smuggled a message out of Peterhead Prison to Sir Conan Doyle. He didn't have any new evidence or anything to share. He just begged for Sir Conan Doyle not to give up on him and that he was innocent. Doyle couldn't ignore Oscar's request and fired off new letters to his influential connections, the press and the Secretary of State of Scotland. He made public appearances and gathered other supporters of Oscar. As this new movement behind Oscar's innocence was on the move, William Park published The Truth About Oscar Slater in 1927. So this is almost 20 years after the crime now. Park came to the same conclusion that Conan Doyle did over a decade before. He assessed that Marion knew her assailant, let him in. They argued about a document that she had in her possession. During the argument, she was pushed and hit her head. So the murderer had to make a decision right then and there. She was either going to recover fully and charge him with battery or he could kill her. Park had a theory of who the murderer could be, but due to libel, he was unable to name the person. Put a pin in this. Listen, I, I, wrote, this say. A, I wrote this a year and a half ago. I don't know what the pin is for. Or <laughs> My guess is we know who the person actually is that he was going to name. I wouldn't, but then I wouldn't be doing it because it would be... You're so... building a story. I definitely am. Well, no, because say, it's still suspicious that he, you know, like, but there's still suspicion here. Like, on, on yeah. all accounts, we, yeah. no one's been proven guilty. No one, you know. Yeah. So even if, like, we know who he was going to name, we still don't know that it is that person, for sure. Right, right. I definitely will say I'm very impressed with my layout of the script. It is reading, like, a Sherlock Holmes <laughs> story. <laughs> purposeful <laughs> probably i probably did that on purpose i probably took my time and like made sure i did it this way um park's book caused an uproar newspapers started printing information about the case again witnesses came forward saying the police coerced them into naming oscar as the man they had seen that day in November of that year, 1927, the Secretary of State for, State for Scotland made a statement saying he was satisfied with Oscar's 18 and a half years of his sentence and basically gave him time served and he was released. Oscar was free, but not he wasn't cleared, but free. Sir Conan Doyle was still unhappy. He wanted the he wanted Oscar to be fully pardoned because he deserved it. The case was never reopened and never retried. Oscar did have the right to apply for compensation for his wrongful imprisonment, and Sir Conan Doyle and others helped him pay his legal fees. Oscar accepted £6,000 as compensation for his conviction. I don't know what £6,000 was back then. He moved to Ayr and lived a quiet life with his second wife. Sir Conan Doyle thought that Oscar would use the money to pay back the people that helped with his legal fees, but Oscar didn't see it that way. He thought it was ridiculous he had to pay anyone. <laughs> Sir. Sir Conan Doyle saw him as ungrateful. Not that he needed the money. So guilty of murder? No. Sir, Sir Conan Doyle's favorite person? Absolutely not. <laughs> Oscar was briefly interned as an alien at the start of World War II, but he applied for naturalization in 1946. He died at the age of 76 in Ayrshire, Scotland in January 1948. He was described as a retired journeyman baker on his death certificate. Hmm. I have no, I said, put a pin in that. And then I never, you never followed up back to it. You didn't follow through. All I wrote was theories. He was a baker? Was, 
Um, <laughs> go back. He had all those fake jobs. I don't know. Wait, Oscar Slater. We don't know it's true or not. Um, he was a. He always did this precious stone stuff. Um, no, he usually claimed to be a gymnastics instructor or a dentist. So, hmm. I want to look up the thing I didn't. I said put a pin in it, and I never went back. So my question is, was he really innocent? I don't know. It sounds like he is. I feel like he didn't do it. To me, it sounds like he is. And if we have, like, the greatest detective on the case at the time. Seriously. I feel like, and who's also saying, you know, I feel like, no, he's, he's innocent. Let me see if I can find, where was the pin? Uh, blah, 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 explain the murder, nah, nah, nah. Yeah, but you didn't say who you thought the murder was. In 1927, Glasgow journalist William Park published The Truth About Oscar Slater. The book re-examined the case and came to the same conclusion that Doyle had, that Gilchrist had likely known the murderer, invited her into her home. Park speculated that she had argued with the person about a document, most likely a will. She ended up dead. It says libel laws prevented Park from actually naming the murderer in his book, although a reading makes clear of who he believed it to be. Okay, when do libel laws go away? Like, where do we... <laughs> How do we find her? Who killed Marion Gilchrist? Well, when you look that up, it says Oscar <laughs> was the murderer. <laughs> I don't know, and I guess I don't really have any theories because no one stated it. And maybe I'm sure you all these were like, are... maybe you were putting together your own theory. Yeah, but I don't. Sorry, I'm like trying to read very quickly. The contents led to the Solicitor General of Scotland, Alexander Monroe McRobert, to conclude that it was no longer proven that Slater was guilty. So the contents of William Park's little book. So they decided he wasn't guilty. At one point, 20,000 people had signed a petition to public and publicly demanded his release. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's what you get when you have like a celebrity like vouching for you. Slater has suffered one of the worst miscarriages of justice in Scottish legal history. The case had done nothing to enhance the reputation of the city of Glasgow police. Shocking. Uh, oh, he had he had some family that survived the Holocaust. That's good. Oh, he was described as a retired journeyman baker on his death certificate, which was his late father's occupation. He had also repaired and sold antiques after moving to Scott after he was released. Okay. There are many theories, none of which I wrote down. I don't. Okay. Conan Doyle liked, like Trench believed that it was a family member of the victim who did the wicked deed. Trench believed one had a plausible motive for murder. So if they were arguing about a document, that's obviously like, like it's obvious that someone that knew her, that knew the value of the brooch and didn't care. You know what I mean? Like it had to have sentimental meaning mm -hmm. to them because 
if you were just robbing, why would you just wrote like scramble through her all her jewelry and then just take the one thing and not take all of it if you're just gonna pawn it off, you know? Um he also wondered why her personal papers were ransacked and scattered about her flat. So maybe they were looking for a will or like again, something of like sentimental value. Um, one relative would have been heir to the Spencer's 80,000 pound fortune worth about 10 million today. But months before her death, Gilchrist changed her will, leaving her fortune instead to a former maid's family. There it is. That's who did it. The maid. No, not the maid. The helper. Oh. Because it's not her family. That's she wanted the brood. Yeah, but you you changing your will. Okay, you have $10 million and you change your will. And then a couple months later, you're found dead. Like the person that was originally going to get your fortune definitely has. That's major motive. It's not like, you know, oh, it's some, you know, like when my grandmother died, I wasn't like my inheritance. Like I was like, I'm probably not going to get anything. All I wanted was her grandfather clock. It was beautiful. I don't know how I would have gotten it out here, but it was gorgeous. Whatever. My uncle's an asshole. Anyway. Like that's all I that's all I wanted. It had like the moon. It had like the moon phases on it. It was a beautiful clock. Anyway, <sighs> why? <laughs> yeah, that's like a total for ten million dollars. That's mm -hmm. uh, one theory is that she was killed by a family member looking for the revised copy of the will that they hoped to destroy. One of them bore a resemblance to Slater. Yet despite Slater's reprieve, nobody else was charged with Gilchrist's murder and mystery over the real killer's identity persists to this day. It's got to be the family member. That makes the most sense to me. I agree. It, that's like the maid, like. maybe, but like, not likely. And I wrote, who's the nephew? Why did the police shush it all up? So the nephew's probably the person it was going to be left to. Yeah. I wish I could like look up her family dynamic because if she only left it, she had $10 million and she was leaving it to one person. Yeah. That means you don't have like good ties with your family. Mm -mm. Mm. And then you don't leave it to him and you leave it to your old maid's family. <laughs> yep. That's yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Well, that's, that's all I got. What do you think? Any thoughts? I, I think it was made honestly i'm really invested in this she's the Helen? one who, yeah so she probably saw some guy walking down the street right the uh -huh. three knocks were of course the 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 woman knocking on the floor the yep. neighbor was probably walking up helen left helen comes mm -hmm. back she realizes the neighbor's involved so she doesn't have time to get rid of the body she left maybe to go change or do something real quick or whatever yeah. So she has an alibi. She's walking back mm -hmm. up the stairs. She wanted the bridge the whole time. That's all. She, yeah. That was her focus. So mm -hmm. the guy is coming up the stairs behind her and she realizes, oh no, like he's following behind me, but she sees the guy walking down the stairs. So she just calmly walks up knowing she's going to blame the guy walking down the stairs who just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yep. She goes up, she opens the door, creates this big scene and the rest mm. is history. I do as a as a person who loves thriller books that is <laughs> great. It sounds fantastic. This whole thing sounds like a like a Sherlock Holmes right. case. That could totally be it. Because I, know. I feel I, like I see it. the Scotland Yard would be like we're going to look at 
mm, the obvious, the nephew. And then it's like, um, excuse me, it's been the maid the whole time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, and she could have been dead for, well, no, if you heard the three knocks, then that would have been. But did she leave the house before the three knocks happened? And what if the guy, what if she was working with the nephew? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What if she was working? Because you're made. You probably know who it is. Know that oh, she changed no her wait, will. No, wait. Hmm? She knew about the knocks because the knocks happened. The guy comes up, knocks on the stairs. She runs down to go create an alibi after he knocks. Because remember, he went back down the stairs and went into the yep. sister, And the sisters were like, oh, my God, deal with the situation. And so, yeah. like she went downstairs during that time and so then she like met him walking back up mm. well no and what i was saying is maybe she and the nephew worked together and she because she wanted the brooch and he wanted the will and then like she left so that she would have an alibi and like what's my brain just like shut off <laughs> Halfway through a sentence. <laughs> I could see there's so many, there's so many options. Well, yep. I'm trying to see if she, did she leave before the knocks happened? It says soon after mm. she left, Arthur and Adams and his sisters heard the three knocks on the ceiling. So, but I don't know how, you know eyewitness testimony that's a very small window to like be a little bit off yeah like maybe she made the three knocks and then left or whatever because i feel like just knowing me if you heard noise and then you were like sitting downstairs wouldn't you be like should i go what was that did you hear that like it would be like it wouldn't be an immediate let me run upstairs it would be like did you hear that should i go check on her like it would be a conversation before you go yeah right yeah, I would think so. Yeah. I don't know. Could have been anybody. <laughs> Somebody that knew her, for sure. Yeah, I think so. Well, is that it? We have nothing else? That's all I got. My theories are... Oh, we didn't touch it. It's anti-Semitism. That's what did it. It's because he was mm -hmm. Jewish. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I bet that's why they went so hard to like be like, nope, it's him. Sorry. <laughs> well, if you or someone in your family has any information or if you'd like to share your own theories, please feel free to email us at misreticle at gmail.com. Follow us at Mr. Reticle on Instagram and TikTok and nothing else. And don't forget to give us a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't play with strangers. And don't trust your government. When you have eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the truth. Sherlock Holmes. Love that. Bam. Of course I had to use a Sherlock. I couldn't not use a Sherlock Holmes quote. No. I was going to say either that or talking I about the, the maid that did it. The helper. Yeah, but that's a new twist that I...